What's going on, everyone? I'm here with David Meltzer, and we, you know, before the podcast started, I was telling David of how much I admire his content. Been following him on Instagram for a pretty long time now, actually. Uh, David's an entrepreneur who has made big in the sports marketing world. He went from, you know, being extremely successful, um, but kind of had a lot of ups and downs throughout his uh, his past and different experiences. And I think along the way he kind of shifted from that ego-driven mentality to more so you know, committing to a life of service, which is very connected to his company now, which he co-founded called Sports One Marketing. Uh, he's written two books that kind of talk about this, you know, being more, more value-driven versus wanting to always receive. And um, you know, a lot of his content is public. I, I definitely encourage you to check it out. But for now, so happy to have you on the podcast, David, and finally connecting with you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here and hopefully I can help impact other people's lives by making more money, helping more people and having more fun. So thanks for having me. Cheers, man. So I, I kind of wanted, I was listening right before we started. I wanted to listen again to your Tom Bilyeu uh, interview. I was wondering, like, when was that tipping point for you? Because you, you went from being super successful, you had a bit of a downfall, and then suddenly something shifted. What was that like tipping point that really altered that mindset shift for you? You know, it's really interesting because unlike what most people perceive, the tipping point for me happened two years before I lost everything. So two years before I lost everything. And there was three incidents that really created the tipping point. The first was my father. My father had left when I was five. He was my hero until I was 10. In fact, he was such a hero that I'm still ridden with guilt because I used to tell my mom who raised the six kids by herself. And my dad was kind of a deadbeat dad back then in the seventies. You didn't have to pay child support. I used to tell my mom, why couldn't she be a winner like my dad <laughs> until wow. I was 10 when my dad forgot my birthday and then completely insulted me by telling me not that he forgot my birthday, but that he doesn't believe in birthdays. And from that point on, I had a very difficult time with my father. I didn't like him. In fact, I used to say, I hate him. Uh, until I was 30, when my dad sent me a birthday present after 20 years, he sent me a birthday present, which was a sport coat with no pockets. He said it was to remind me of him. I immediately called him and said, you're a jerk. And he said, no. He said, I'm going to teach you a lesson that I wish I would have learned. You are exactly like me. You're an overseller, a back-end seller, a liar, and a manipulator. You can sell ice to Eskimos, but you can't take anything with you when you're gone. You do not want to be the richest man in the cemetery and you need to hang that jacket up in your closet to remind yourself every day that you can't take anything with you and that you need to be kind. And I wish I would have learned that lesson and I want to ask for your forgiveness and I want you as a gift to me for your birthday to change. Wow. Well, that was one seed that was planted. The second <laughs> seed that was planted before my tipping point was my best friend who I hadn't seen uh, this is before I lost everything, told me when I asked him, how come we don't hang out anymore? And he told me, because I don't like who you hang out with. And I lied to him and said, hey, I'm not doing the things that those guys are doing. You should hang out with me. And he said, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself, David. You know the truth. Mm -hmm. Man, that kept me up at night. And then finally, the last straw was when my wife, who, you know, as we lived in a huge home with unbelievable assets and cars and beautiful daughters and all this stuff, as I came home in an intoxicated state at 5.30 in the morning after partying with the rapper Little John, 
literally told me she wasn't happy. And for a few hours, I w- when I woke up the next morning, not only was I hungover, but more importantly, I was pissed. I couldn't believe how ungrateful she was, and I couldn't believe. And I almost ruined my whole life that day until I found humility. Uh, humility was the tipping point. Mm. You know, finding humility and telling myself that, you know what, I'm grateful for everything I have right now. I am forgiving for all the mistakes that I have made. And I forgive others for the mistakes that they make. I am 100% accountable for where I'm at right now. And I'm going to live an inspired life by living a productive, providing value, accessible, being accessible to others and accessing what I want. I'm going to live an inspired life by being kind to my future self and doing good deeds and trusting that the money would come. And I started from that day outlining and taking stock at the request of my wife of who I was and what I, what I wanted to become. And after outlining that, living by that outlining, outline, developing that outline, in fact, it turned into my first book, Connected to Goodness, and it's still prevalent in all of the different books that I have, including the last one I have, uh, Game Time Decision Making by McGraw-Hill. All of them are indicative of taking stock in who I was and what I wanted to become, taking my possibilities and through inspiration, making them my probability and through humility, making them my perspective or my reality, getting out of my own way, utilizing the law of Goya, getting off my ass, working hard, working smart, working long, the law of attraction by creating a void for the universe to fill. And finally, the law of surrender, humility to get out of my own way and to effectuate what I'm trying to do. And that was the tipping point of my life. Why do you think, and and that's such a great way to contextualize it, why do you think it's so hard when you're actually chasing, you know, it it always reminds me that there's this analogy like, you know, the race dog who's chasing the the motorized rabbit as an example, but but you're you're kind of in this chase and you're going through it and you think that whatever you're pushing towards is going to bring you that happiness. And then you get there to your point when, you know, your wife looked at you and said, it's not really what we have. It's more so you and I, like that's, that's what I'm having a bit of uh, issues with. Uh, when you're in that predicament, how do you, uh, t- you know, to your point, like surrender and, and gain that humility, but still have that aggressiveness in business to really push through and be ambitious and get whatever it is that you're trying to get to? The key is uh, understanding that when you're in those positions in life, that your mind, body and soul are all on fire. And what my mom taught me is that when you're on fire, you need to stop, drop, and roll. And so what I utilize, and the reason that I meditate is to find my higher frequency, my highest frequency, the very first thing when I wake up by meditating, so that I know when these types of circumstances occur, that it puts me off of my higher frequency, and that instead of accelerating in the wrong direction, instead of utilizing a trajectory that's not aligned with where I want to be, I stop, I drop, my blood pressure, my mind, my peace, and then I roll back into the right trajectory. So it then puts out that fire. Uh, Too many people live their life on fire. They live their life in the wrong trajectory. They accelerate their lives in the wrong directory and wonder why they can never get to where they want to be, why they keep on finding the wrong turns, the wrong challenges, obstacles, voids, and shortages. It's because they have not learned to stop, drop, and roll. They haven't found their own frequency, their own sense of peace and centeredness to know how to get back to that center. 
Yeah, I, I'm assuming a lot of that uh, basically depends on asking yourself questions. To your point, you're saying meditating or reflecting. What questions were you asking yourself to get back on the path that really aligned with your why? Um, the corrections that I made was to study uh, the ego uh, and understanding the new philosophy. When I said taking stock in who I was, it was understanding what my personal values were, what my experiential values were what my giving values were and what my receiving values are. And what I wanted to do is to change those values every day that instead of trying to live a balanced life, I was going to live a balanced day according to the percentages of those values that I wanted for that day. So some days would be more about giving some days, more about receiving some days, more about my personal values and some days more about my experiential. And hopefully by the end of my life, it'll all average out to 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%. Too many people try to live their lives in balance every single day because they allow the man-made construct of time to dictate their activity instead of understanding that I dictate my activity through productivity and accessibility by improving every day the enjoyment and consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential of how much activity can I get paid for and how much activity can I not get paid for? Because I believe money is an important currency because it allows us to shop. A currency is an object of energy that we put into the flow. So the more money that I can have, the more I can shop for. And if I shop for the right things, I'll be happy. And if I shop for the wrong things, I won't be unless I learn from them and move on. Mm. That's a very good way to put it. You you built a very successful uh, sports marketing agency. How did you? I know maybe how how were you able to align your sort of life um, values that we're talking about right now, uh, more so on the business side, uh, but but still you know remain very successful and and remain very very driven at the same time. You know, for me, it's a matter of being a student of my calendar. Uh, so I started creating parameters in which to utilize the platform in which time is created, man-made constructive time being a calendar. And so I utilize studying my calendar, paying attention to and putting intention in so I can create the coincidences I want to. So I created rules like the 520 rule where all my phone calls have an objective of keeping them to five minutes and my interviews and meetings to 20 minutes. Uh, I also study the white space in my calendar for productivity and accessibility to see how productive and accessible I can be uh, with that time. I look to see who I'm going to be in contact with in person, on the phone, via email and media, radio, print, TV, and social media in order to effectuate how productive and accessible I'm going to be. I utilize time knowing that two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday, that the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential and the habits that I form will only create efficiencies and exponential growth and acceleration in the direction that I want to go into. So using under the values I have, gratitude, empathy, accountability, effective communication, asking for help, being a student in my calendar and doing things now, doing things now means being present. That means that everything that comes in my life, I ask, can I do it now? If I can do it now, I do it. If not, it goes into a do it now folder where I prioritize it by what's important first. And if it's just urgent, I go ahead and go ahead and uh, just uh, ask somebody to do it for me. So I delegate it. Uh, but moreover, I still put as a student in my calendar, in my calendar, a place to go check every day my do it now folder so that I'm consistently and persistently pursuing my potential. And I'm not afraid to lower the bar either. 
you know, I think you're much better off lowering the bar and working those two minutes uh, uh, instead of two hours on a Saturday. Right. And, and because you're so, I mean, you're so diligent with your, with, with your prioritization, I see that you, you, you dedicate a lot of your time uh, at the same time, so, sort of on the content side, you talk to a lot of people, you know, you devote your time um, as you're doing now with me. I do wonder, like across all the conversations you've had, do you find patterns with the questions that you get asked by people? Absolutely. I, I look for patterns in everything, right? I look for reasons, impacts, and capability, which drives those patterns so that I could have a statistical advantage and understand the math of everything. There's dependent and independent variables. And so in order to be aware of coincidences, because coincidences are always occurring. Coincidences are the results of what you pay attention to, what you intend to happen, and what actually happens. The problem is most people aren't aware of what coincidence are occurring the way that we distinguish coincidences is through patterns. And so some people are more aware than others, but very uh, a, a lot of the time you'll hear someone say, oh my God, I saw that number three times. Coincidence? Absolutely. A coincidence is what you're paying attention to and putting intention in. It mm -hmm. all exists. It all exists. So understanding that equation is essential to understanding how we can create or manifest or materialize our imagination. I see. I see. So, so it, it's sort of that you're you're sort of being very diligent with your calendar, but you're also this is kind of what you're putting out into the universe that you're kind of getting back at the same time. Well, yeah, because I don't distinguish between productivity and accessibility. Right. So if I'm creating value and creating a void and then all I have to do is intend to fill the void and be aware of the coincidences that fill the void, then I'm able to direct myself and utilize the statistical success of what I want. In other words, materializing, whether it be through money, materializing it, meaning buying it or shopping for it, or through faith, which is the aggregate of what I think, say, do believe, and the quantum memory I have, which is my personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. If I'm able to aggregate all of those and not only put the currency of faith, but the currency of money in it, I can materialize so much more in a much more accelerated manner. Right. From those patterns, I do wonder, like when when people are asking you, especially I'm talking like aspiring founders, entrepreneurs, people in their 20s, 30s, maybe so more on the younger side. What do you feel is missing most from those kinds of conversations in terms of what they're asking? Like uh, deep down, what do you think these people are are sort of missing um, that they're that they're really longing for when they're asking you these questions or trying to get you for 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 some time? Uh what do I think they want from me? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm, I'm more so like, what do you think um, they have that's kind of missing? Like when they come and ask for questions or advice? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, no, they're not missing anything. So where, where I see, um, I utilize an abundant perspective that there's enough of everything for everyone that it already exists. So what I try to help people with and where I see the biggest uh, challenge is that, number one, they're creating an interference, a corrosion uh, to that which they want. They, they are, right? And so to get them to understand how do I stop corroding or interfering with what I want? And two, same thing with my relationships, not just the inspiration, but how do I quit interfering or, or corroding the connection between me and other people? And so I work very hard in showing people how to clean that connection, how to effectuate a much more uh, efficient, effective, and statistically successful way of getting what you want and helping other people get what they want. Gotcha. I, I do want to ask this this question to you, Dave. Um, 
when when you're faced with tough decisions, right? Like even right now, whether it's business, life, say you have two very compelling decisions to make, both of which have a good outcome. How do you how do you like what's your sort of model model to, to drive those kinds of decisions? My model is really in all decision making. My model is based off of my values. So, um, you know, understanding, um, understanding my own values, my personal experiential giving and receiving, I go ahead and evaluate uh, what I'm doing in that respect. It's really simple. So every day, right, understanding the percentage of those personal experiential giving and receiving values. And then from there, understanding as I make decisions, how quickly I can align it with the values that I have. And I think that's where the most highly uh, effective people, the most actionable people, they make fast decisions because they know their values. Mm. Very good. I got one more for you because you got one more minute. Um, what's one thing, because obviously a lot of your content is public, a lot of it is out there. What's one thing that someone doesn't know about you, which you feel like would be valuable for them to know? You know, I, I really don't think that people know that I'm on my own journey, you know, that, uh, I, I see a lot of people that follow me thinking that, you know, I have all the answers that I, you know, never get upset. I never, you know, all, all those different things. And so for me, it's like, uh, I would, you know, really would like people to know that, Hey, I'm with you on this journey and I have some good ideas. Some of them are right. Some of them are not wrong, but at least if I can get you to pay attention to them and put your intention on them, you can have the coincidences that you want in your life. And so I'd like everybody to know about me that, hey, man, I'm on the same journey and we're all at a different frequency and I'm here to be of service. So go ahead, reach out and see how I can be of service. Amazing. Thanks so much, man. I want to stick to your calendar and make sure you get uh, the best out of your day. So thanks for, for doing this, man, and starting the day out uh, with Let's Grab Coffee. Appreciate you, buddy. Ah, 20 minutes. This is the only way I grab coffee, my brother, via Skype right. instantly. <laughs> 20 minutes. This is great. Thank you so much. Uh -huh.